Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Ron Pertee Show. With me this week is Emily Davis, uh, amazing person and musician as well. We talk about our love of bad religion and uh, and just have a, and, and talk about the, the songwriting process and how those kind of things go down. And it's uh, and plus we're gonna play uh, one of her songs. Well, it's not live. I mean, I don't have that kind of pull. But we're gonna play off of her uh, new album. We're gonna be playing uh, "Bed Bottle Goal," which is a great song, and uh, you should definitely seek her out. Uh, Bandcamp, her website, all that stuff is at the end of the episode. Uh, I'm kind of buzzing through this because I don't want to be one of those shows where we talk about all the hate in the world. There's enough hate in the world, um, and. I don't think that we should have to relive it. We know what happened. Um, we know how horrible it was, and we know that it has to stop. I don't know exactly how much more I have to say. I'm I'm pretty sure that's so. It's it's all self-explanatory. But. Um, I, I just, yeah. It's mind-blowing that this stuff goes on in 2017. Or maybe it, it shouldn't be mind-blowing anymore. We should just get used to all of it. You know what I mean? We should just be like, oh, another bombing. Uh, whatever. That's the way this world is now, right? Now we're going to take a break and we come back. Emily Davis on the Ron Pertee Show. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. For a 30-day trial and free audiobook, head to audibletrial.com forward slash ronshow. That's audibletrial.com slash ronshow for your 30-day trial and free audiobook today. So, Emily, first I want to thank you for being on the program. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. We've been trying to do this for, I would argue, years. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. It's been, a, it's been an ongoing thing. It's, it, it has been, but you know what? It, it all pays off in the end. So, Now, um, first and foremost, I would like to let everybody know, full disclosure, that you and I share a common, I would just say the words obsession. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, you, if, you were, if you're insinuating what I think you're insinuating, it's definitely an obsession. Yeah, and that's bad religion. Yes. <laughs> um, now, before we get into, into the new album and all, and, and all that kind of stuff, what first got you into bad religion? Because I first uh, <laughs> found out about you when you were on stage... Rapping. <laughs> I was doing the the spoken word part for Let Them Eat War. Yes. I guess it's a rap. Sage Francis does it on the album, right? Right. So, so yeah, I guess a rap <laughs> of sorts. I'll go but, with uh, it. I'll go with it. I I got into bad religion a couple of different ways. Um, when I was ten, not ten. When I was twelve, um, I started playing a video game called Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two with my cousins. And we were obsessed with it. We would play it all hours of the day. And I distinctly remember really digging two songs from that um, soundtrack that I would play over and over again, which was You by Bad Religion and then No Cigar by Melancholin. And I was obsessed with those songs. And I didn't really do much digging because uh, this this was the before YouTube days. So you couldn't just hop online and, who is that? And Google the song and listen to it. It was kind of like, how do you, how do you find this? Aside from <laughs> and growing up in like a fairly... Um, conservative household, it's kind of impossible to go, hey, Molly, will you buy me a Bad Religion CD? So that didn't really pan out. Yeah, just um, ignore the crossbuster on the cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, 
and then I had a really good friend who really got me into them in high school, and since then it's kind of been nonstop. Yeah, see, my first uh, exposure to Bad Religion, I was watching uh, 120 Minutes, and um, they showed the video for Stranger Than Fiction. And that was, and I, I'm, I'm one of those people who is, when I'm into something, I have to be, I'm a completist. And yeah. that was, uh, definitely, I saw that and I was just, I was hooked. And then I was, it was so heartbroken because I'm just like, wow, these guys are just so awesome. And it's like, oh, oh, Brett's not in the band anymore. Okay, great. Well, I guess I showed up a little because as much as, as cool as drummers are, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're rivaling Pearl Jam on their amount of drummers yeah. that they've had. Um, yeah, Jamie's awesome though. I'm really happy with him as an addition. He's he's a, he's a, he's fucking he's a killer drummer and he's, he's just seems like a really great person too. So see, I, that's the thing is I, I remember I interviewed I told you about this. I interviewed Jay at Warp Tour back in 2001, right after uh, Process had come out and, yeah. in Milwaukee, and it was funny because uh, somebody comes up to him in the middle of the interview. They see me with a with a, a, a recorder in his face. And yeah. they, they start talking to him like, oh, he's not doing something right now. And the only question they had for him is, where's Greg? And oh I'm and I'm like, I look at him. I'm like, it's like, first, first off, first off, we're in Milwaukee. Where in the fuck do you think he is right now? <laughs> and that's exactly why I looked at him. I said that. And, 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 and Jay kind of looked at me like, OK, all right, I can deal with that. And then we went back to the interview. And uh, and that's the one thing I love about this band is that you can go ahead and 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 listen to them and know that they're not going to bullshit you. Yeah, no, no, they don't. And I mean, because I asked him, I said, you know, uh, when it came to like um, copies of Into the Unknown, I said, do you keep them in your mother's basement? And he said, yeah. well, she her hot water heater blew up and we lost a whole bunch of them, but otherwise we burned them in the driveway. It's like, well, that's uh. great. You know, and uh, and that's what I love about them, and and they're, and they're intelligent, and and uh, now that leads. This is the segue. Is uh, your your music is very intelligent, but it's I wouldn't call it punk rock. No, it's not. It's never been punk rock. Punk was rock. that I mean, was that? I mean, is that I mean? Would you? It was. Is punk's obviously an influence on it, though. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it, was, yeah, oh yeah. Is there? Is there? Was there like a, a a reason that you didn't go the punk route? Punk rock route you know it's interesting um i actually had the amazing fortune of being able to go on four tour dates with greg this past march i'm so jealous it was the best fucking week of my life i can't even still process it but um i asked him at one point because i was very curious i'm like how do you like when you write songs do you write songs for yourself because it feels like when i write a lot of my songs i'm writing up i'm writing out my pain i'm writing out my anger I'm writing out my passion, like whatever, whatever manic emotion it presents itself, and so I I don't know what that's like for every other songwriter. So I asked him, and I was like, "How do you would you write songs for yourself? Is it like therapeutic?" And he just kind of shrugged me, and he's like, "You know, it just comes out now. It just kind of comes out of me." And I think I can relate that back to genres. I have I, I got my start playing like worship music when I was in high school, um, back when I was still of that inclination, um, and it always started with just like folk songs. I loved I loved 70s folk rock or um, southern rock. And I really liked um, the soul that was involved with worship music and gospel music. And so I kind of just combined those. And then once, you know, I started obsessing over punk, but in particular about religion, that energy kind of found itself in there too. So I think it's just whatever you put in my head, it's my head's going to 
pardon the pun, but it's just going to be a blunderhead, and whatever comes out is <laughs> is, is is what what it is, I guess. And I, I don't think now I'd ever. I don't. I don't know if I could pull off punk. And some songs, you know, that I've written recently verge on it, but I like folk rock. It's what I do. Right, right. Like that. It's uh, it's I, I'm. I, I I won't lie. I haven't heard the whole album, but what I've heard of it, I really, really, really enjoy. I notice that you do a lot of you, you do a lot of uh, Bad Religion covers on YouTube, which are also awesome. Um, nice. Now, when you sit down, I mean, do you put your whole life into a song, or do you feel the need to to hold back at all? Um, you know, sometimes uh, I just because a lot of the songs I write are about other people or influenced by other people and their experiences. And I think like privacy and anonymity is something that's a dying art in our age. And so sometimes when I write a song about something fairly explicit, I don't want that person to feel like, you know, like, um, I guess an example would be, uh, Taylor Swift gets a lot of shit for writing songs about guys and specific guys that she's been with or whatever. And, I mean, though my songs aren't really, I've kind of strayed from the whole love songwriting business, but the songs I do write, um, and they are about people, I want to afford them some kind of veil, I guess. Mm-hmm. And myself, too, because sometimes I write songs about things I'm going through feeling that ultimately are my business, and um, I, I'm happy to let people empathize with them, but for the sake of my own comfort, you know, I just, I think a lot of, I think a lot of, thought about framing is important in lyrics for yourself and for the people that ultimately influence you. So right, right. that's kind of where I stand on that, I guess. Right. And then now this is, if you've heard this question before, I apologize. And it's never an easy way to frame it. Um, do you find it, I mean, cause it, people hear about this in, in comedy and other facets of entertainment do you have you ever experienced any kind of difficulty being a a performer that just happens to be a female? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, honestly, truth be told, I, I identify as non-binary. Okay. Um, so, uh, and that's something I haven't really like come out and said a lot, but it's it's something that I've been. I look back my whole life, and it's very obvious to me. Um, and I'm trying to be more authentic in that now. But being female-bodied, certainly. I mean, I got <laughs> you get. You get, I get the funniest fucking comments sometimes on YouTube where it's like, you really, you, you actually had to let that thought go through your brain and then out through your fingers and then you saw it posted on a public forum and you thought, that's appropriate and the comment ends up being, eat my ass mommy. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, why would you write that? I, I'm, I'm in, I mean, I had somebody tell me to kill myself once, but that is, yeah. that's yeah, nothing compared like, to eat my ass mommy. Yeah, that was a recent one. I got a friend on Facebook, Ethan, who, uh, I don't know, like, the, I, I think the comment ended up getting flagged or something. I didn't do anything because I don't give a fuck, really, honestly. But, um, he, he, I guess he screen captured and sent it to me. Another one of my other favorite ones is this guy posts and he's like, hey, you hot dyke. Wow. <laughs> he's like, you should message me sometime. Promise I'm attractive. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> Or like another one's like you got a weird fucking mouth, just like you know random things. Wow, and, I I oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's but I, I honestly like I look forward to those comments if anything because they crack me up. If you let those things get to you, you have way too much you know time on your hands and you need to invest your emotions in other things. So when they happen, I'm not usually offended other than be like laughing because it's just so 
ridiculous. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, aside from that, though, I mean, you know, I was always paranoid of, oh, I'm never going to, like, you have to get noticed by a certain age or else it's just not going to happen for you if you're female. And I've abandoned that. Like, that's so stupid. As long as as long as your art speaks for itself and as long as you're making the best art you possibly can, that's that should be the only real prerogative aside from how you can get it to other people and have them hear it. That's obviously cool, but make art that's good and stand by it and then keep doing that shit. People will eventually notice it, or if they don't, then that's fine. <laughs> right, no, exactly. And you, you definitely, like, even if musically you don't have a punk sensibility, lyrically you you certainly do, I would say. Um, well, I got bored because... You know, when I up until the age of twenty, I was writing songs about being misunderstood, heartbroken. You know, typical youth angst. You were dashboard confessionaling. Oh, dude, dude, dude! I loved them in high school, which is kind of embarrassing to admit now. But um, I, uh, since then, you know, when especially when I really started like listening to Bad Religion and my worldview really was being changed and they, they played a big role in that. I just, there's so much other interesting things to write about. There's so much to be said and there's not a lot to be said at the same time. You know, sometimes it feels like I'm writing the same song over and over again. And then sometimes it feels like there's endless opportunities to things to write about. You just gotta put yourself in those situations. I guess. Right, right, right. Lyrics have always been kind of the most important thing to me. And my bandmates, like, they're always like, oh, we don't care. We're just gonna, we want to write these good parts of these things and whatever and that's good but for for me because i i'm really limited with my guitaring i'm i'm fairly rhythmic but i don't know much beyond that and i'm working towards that right now but lyrics are really what i i, I care the most about it's always been that way i've always been that way too see that the lyric if i can't understand the lyrics or at least make them out somewhat i kind of pass on things I think it's also genre-driven, too. Like, if I just want to go dance, I don't fucking care. But, like, most of the time when I listen to music, I'm I'm connecting with it. I'm connecting with the message. And I'm I'm taking the role on in my head as the person who's singing those words. Right. Those words are coming out of my mouth when I'm singing along. It's, you know, in that moment, you're... It's kind of like songs are like library books. And you whenever you get to listen to a song, you're checking out that library book. And it's you. You're that character. You're that person. And so... I, that's another that goes back to how personal you want to make songs. I mean, if I start being super specific, people won't relate. But if you make it specific enough, that it's still relatable. Right. Oh, exactly. That's and then not only that, but when you put a song out, not only do you get uh, you put what your thoughts and feelings behind the song were, and then when someone else hears it, they're going to interpret it a completely different way. Um, right. How it how you know for how it affects them. So right. I mean, you're putting something out there, you know. Like when you when somebody reads The Shining, for example, they're gonna think, uh, "Oh, this guy's an alcoholic." They're not gonna realize that it's this, this, and this. But then again, that's just my opinion on it. So, and that's like I think the whole world of entertainment's kind of like that. You're just putting it out there for other people to interpret, and even if it's a release for yourself. Yeah, that's 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 it. That's why, you know. I'm so glad I was so concise with that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. People try to like get in the way of that process. It, it, it's it sucks. Music and like people often argue that life is an imitation of art, and I sometimes you know it's hard not to miss that and see so much synchronicity between the two that 
that's why it's a it's an important process. Let it happen. Don't try to obstruct it. You know. Exactly. Now, are you still touring with the Murder Police? Yes, um, we are going on tour in August, but right now we're trying to focus on a new album. We're about seven songs in, and after this interview concludes, I'm going to go work on some more of them. So, um, fantastic. Because yeah. I to... know uh, on, on Snapchat last year, I think it was, you had the trials and tribulations of indie uh, musician van problems. Yes, we did. It was horrible. Um, how, how much did that end up costing you out of pocket? Uh, well, at first I was told it was a fuel pump issue. So for, for those who are unfamiliar, I'm from a place called El Paso, Texas. We're a border town that's um, situated between New Mexico and Mexico. We're right on the edge of Texas. And uh, we were on our way to Austin, Texas, which is about an eight-hour drive. And halfway there is about, a, I think around halfway, is a town, if you want to even call it that, called Ozona, uh, full of bugs and heat and a couple racists and so oh. <laughs> we, broke, we broke down there of all places and went to the and, and it's so funny how many people talk about it as though it's the like Bermuda Triangle of Texas there's so many people break down there and uh, when we went, we went to this mechanic shop I was told it was a fuel pump so that cost about 150 to replace then I was told it was something else and that was another $700 or whatever and then finally when we got the correct diagnosis elsewhere, it was $1,400 to replace the fuel tank and then a couple extra hundred to do some other things. So all in all, probably about uh, $2,500. Jesus, Murphy. But it was worth it to get to these shows and, and oh get up there and perform. Absolutely. People like really pulled through, um, which is what they tend to do. Uh, we posted our issues on Facebook and people, you know, sent money and and bought albums and downloads and things and just tried to support. And we raised uh, probably about 1500 Oh, nice. Which really, which really helped, obviously. So that was really cool. Um, and that's, and that's totally one, worth it. Oh, yeah, that's one of the good things about social media and everything. When it's used for a good purpose like that, you really feel yeah. like, oh, well, maybe I won't delete my Facebook. Yeah. You know, but. And it's we, we, we were able to go to... We've only missed three shows out of maybe 20 that we had booked. Maybe more than 20. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing journey. We, we grew a lot as bandmates, as friends. We, we learned a lot. That's what you do when you tour. The more you tour, the better you get at it. Right. That, so yeah. it's, that's what I always like when people, when they don't know what, what they're doing with their music, I'm like, are you touring? Are you at least trying to work towards touring? Because if you just sit in your town and play restaurant gigs once a week, you're... It's fun, but if you want to like build on it, you got to tour. You got to tour again, and it's expensive, and it, it, you will get in debt, and you will get tired, and you will have moments of driving through ice and thinking you're going to die, but maybe you don't, and then you keep touring. <laughs> it gets well, easier. not only that, but you also live, live, have new experiences that could lead to more songs that would. Oh yeah, you I wrote, I wrote, I wrote several songs on the road um, that are going to be in this forthcoming album. So, yes, definitely to that. You, you, you get go. very inspired. It's like stepping out into a different reality when you're on the road. Now, one more question before we get into the song. Um, I, I, when I, I, I always loved watching your snaps because, um, <laughs> and do you think that Walter Cronkite would ever be saying, so I was watching your Snapchat? No, but um, <laughs> so who, who is the unfortunate person that you keep flipping <laughs> off? <laughs> that's, uh, my, that's my bassist, I'll say. 
he started it, I think. I don't know. I think he did. I think one day he snapped me and he flipped me off, and I was like, bitch, I won't do that every day that we're on the road. And you and so did. Every time I go every time I go on the road, I, I'll, I'll step away from Snapchat sometimes when my life is especially boring, like right now. But once it gets interesting and I'm doing things, that's when I kind of get more involved. And every time I go on the road, once a day, it's kind of like a thing now where I have to flip off, I'll say. Especially when he's not looking. It always has to be now that he's unaware of it so that later on in the night when he's going through his feed, he sees it. And he's like, oh, that's what she was doing. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And he starts shaking yeah. his fist at you. Like, you yeah. know, like old man yells at Cloud. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, okay, so now let's let's uh, we'll play the song, and then when we come back, we'll we'll wrap it up. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Bed Bottle Goal. What's the what was the the, the thought process process that went in, into this this uh, track? Um, I have a very good friend who I was in a romantic relationship with for a while, and we're still very good friends. And uh, he at one point we were we were hanging out, having good beers and just good conversation and. He, he, at the time, was an English-American lit major who was very fond of Ernest Hemingway. And he was talking about how... He was talking his theories on Hemingway's writing and how somewhere he once heard that Hemingway often writes about needing a bed, a bottle, and a goal. And those three things are, are prevalent and thematically speaking in his writing. And it really resonated with me. I heard that and I was like, that sounds like my life sometimes. It sounds like... Those are good metaphors for things. You know, your bed is bed. I liken it to a, a, a bed of coal, and you, you you burn yourself on that coal, and you and the bottle provides the heat because it's flammable. So it's just a cycle of, of creative production and, and the goals that you want to work for and how um, those things play a role. So it's kind of a uh, based off of that, and also just off of my desire to write and my love of writing and how, how I, how it has often fueled and been fueled in the past. So. All right. Well, I'll, we'll go ahead and we'll play that uh, real quick here and then we'll come back more with Emily Davis. So stay tuned. I got a bad bottle and a gold. I got a bat, I got a bottle, got a one, two, three, four. Bourbon, my sweet, put me to sleep. I need a pillow made of down and fresh, clean sheets. Tomorrow when I wake with a headache, I know there's gonna be some work to do. It's the work after all, dear bourbon, that keeps me coming back to you. to do.
me sane and over pain for a bit longer all the work that's due. It's these goals after all, dear bottle, they keep me coming back to you. I have got a, I have got a bad bottle and a goal, a bad bottle and a goal. It's just a matter of time until I'm tired and old, so bottle be my fire and let be my goal. I got a bad bottle and a goal, I've got a bad, got a bottle and a goal. I need to reignite the slightly burnt out soul, bottle be my fire and bed be my core, and bed be my core, and bed be my So that was Bed, Bottle, Goal by Emily Davis uh, uh, from her album, The Worst Kind of Curse, which is available now. You can go to Bandcamp and get it. Um, and now, uh, what's, what's the website that people can go to so they can find out where you'll be touring coming up? Uh, well, I do have a website that I, I need to update it quite a bit, um, emilydavismusic.com. But follow me on Facebook because I'm very active on Facebook on my like page. Uh, it's facebook.com slash edavismusic. Um, I post a lot regarding touring there. Um, I have Twitter too. It's also E Davis Music. Um, Instagram is Emily Davis Music. So those things are routinely updated as well. Um, I I'm see. I see a trend here. I see a trend here going with this E Davis Music. Yes. <laughs> it's easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's why I use the same password for everything. Oh, sh- I shouldn't have said that. Dun, but, dun, dun. Yeah. Oh no. Now you're just gonna have to figure out what the password was. Am I a man of mystery or not? Um, but, uh, I, w- I, I hope you guys make it to Wisconsin. It would be great to see you live and in person. I know we're going to hit up the Midwest in August, but I'm not entirely sure what, da- what, because, uh, we're working with a guy who's helping us plot it out. And, um, I don't know if we'll be near Wisconsin, but I know we'll be in the Midwest. So, okay. All right. Well, check out all those links and be sure to head over to Bandcamp and pick up, uh, all the Emily Davis music that you can get your hands on. And Emily, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Ron. Have fun. All right, that was a lot of fun, right? I, I really thoroughly enjoyed that episode. I, I hope you did as well. Don't forget the usual things apply. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RealRonPerti if you enjoy the show and the stuff over at YouTube.com forward slash RonPerti. Don't forget to head over to Patreon.com forward slash RonPerti and uh, be sure to become a patron. There's a bunch of cool stuff going on over there. Um, and uh, just let me know what you guys think of the show. You know, Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, it's probably the best place. And uh, I hope that you all have a lovely week and we will see you next time.